Hello and welcome to Piano Rhapsody, an amateur's guide to classical piano. This is a podcast where you follow the musical journey of an amateur piano player who's striving to play advanced level works one day, specifically Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue, which is where the podcast gets its name. Every week we break down one of the pieces that I encounter along the road to this goal, ranging from the 18th century all the way up to modern day. We'll explore the history surrounding the work, examine the music within, and hopefully we all walk away a little bit more informed and appreciative of classical music. This is episode 19.2, the second episode in a series where we are discussing Friedrich Bergmuller's Opus 109, a collection of 18 etudes. This is a direct sequel to Opus 100, which was also a collection of etudes that we discussed back in series 4 on this podcast. Those were a little simpler, and with Opus 109, Bergmuller has raised the bar a bit. Last week, we discussed a trio of etudes from the front half of the work. But in the next three episodes, we're going to crank out the back half, which in my opinion is a stronger, more interesting group. While I wish I could take credit and say I did this on purpose, today we're going to hear three etudes that coincidentally happen to tell the story of a typical day. We left off last week with number eight, so let's continue right along and start today's episode with a wake-up call. Number nine, Morning Bell. This etude is written in the key of A-flat major, the key of eternal judgment. Putrefication. Expansive viewpoints of a dark cosmos and existence. Ghosts, ghouls, goblins, graveyards. Haunting and lingering. Well, wow. I know Halloween's coming up, but that is a dark description for a major key. Fortunately, this etude does not have any of that doom and gloom but instead sounds like an easy morning melody accompanied by bell tones. This etude is trying to make the student comfortable with the left hand making large multi-octave leaps. Throughout this etude, the left hand emulates upper bell tones by jumping over the right hand. Since it's hard to tell by just listening to it, let's separate the hands for a second so you could appreciate what's going on with the left hand. Let's start with the right hand. The right hand is playing the melody and also the middle voice. While the left hand establishes the bass note, then soars over the right hand to play the bell tones on top. So add that together and we have the right-handed melody 
with the left-handed bass and bell tones. Then the bell tones leave for a while, and we enter into this nice little duet section where the melody tag team is across two voices. This is what we would classify as the B section. We have an upper voice, which is countered by a middle voice. And when we combine these voices, we get this nice call and response section that sounds like this. This back and forth plays out until the right hand takes off and rises up and then comes back down, right down the A-flat major scale. And we find ourselves right back to part A. This rounds out the ternary form of ABA and completes our etude in the warm chords of A-flat major. This is etude number 9 from Bergmuller's Opus 109, Morning Bell.
Now that we're awake, it is time to start the day. Etude number 10 is titled Velocity. This is an exercise in right-handed passage work. Now, passage work is a term used in music to describe a section of a work that is technically impressive and wows the listener, but it doesn't really contain important structural or thematic material. It's usually a fast part where the player goes up and down scales and arpeggios. Think Flight of the Bumblebee. In simple terms, this is essentially a show-off piece. As this is a teaching piece, Bergmuller tries to make this as palatable as possible for the player by setting it in the easy key of C major. C major, the key of innocent happiness. Pure, simple, and naive. The key of children, free of burden, full of imagination. Powerful resolve, and earnestness. So the Seitude is simply entitled Velocity, which implies that speed is king here. Melodically speaking, there's not much to speak about. This is a ride for the right hand from start to finish. It comes busting out of the gate and doesn't let up until the end. To extend our metaphor of the day, this is music to accompany the modern day. We cram our days minute to minute with tasks, and it's busy, it's exhausting, and it looks and sounds nice from the outside. But at the end of the day, it's all just kind of musical fluff. There's not much depth to be mined from this etude, and I'm not trying to bash it, because it's fun to play and it's definitely entertaining but let's call a spade a spade. This is a flashy workout for the right hand, so let's enjoy it as it was intended and listen to it. This is A2 number 10 from Bergmuller's Opus 109, Velocity.
Night has fallen, and we're moving on to our final etude of the day. Number 11, Serenade. The word serenade is derived from the Italian word serenata, which has its roots in the Italian word sera, meaning evening. The serenade dates way back to the medieval era, where it was used to describe a song played by a man to his lady love through a window probably with a lute or some other medieval portable instrument. Or, if you're John Cusack and say anything, you just let Peter Gabriel sing for you and hold a boombox over your head. During the Baroque period, a serenata was a piece of music with voice and orchestral instruments, and it was performed outdoors during the evening. Then the serenade evolved during the classical and romantic periods, blossoming into a multi-movement work. While these were still large ensemble works, they were lighter in tone than symphonies, and chose melody over thematic development. Some of the most famous examples of serenades from this era were written by Mozart, who wrote them as commissions for weddings. Bergmuller's serenade etude is obviously not a multi-movement work, but harkens back to those old romantic Italian songs. Bergmuller wrote the piece in A minor, the key of tender piety. Womanly, graceful in character, capable of soothing. The technique learned in this etude is to execute a heavily ornamented melody. The main melody of this etude is very basic. Here's the backbone of this piece. And here is that same melody, decorated with all of the grace notes in between. These flourishes are what give this etude its character, and make it sound like it came from the streets of Rome. The etude is also an exercise in dynamic contrast, as it has several moments where it's marked F for forte or loud, and drops instantly to P for piano or quiet in the very next measure. It's moments like these that give the etude its song-like quality, 
and make it the perfect close to a busy day. This is number 11 from Bergmuller's Opus 109, Serenade. Thanks for joining me on this special Day in the Life of an Etude episode. Next week, we'll continue our progress through Bergmuller's Opus 109 with another trio of works that all happen to share a slightly spooky element to them. A perfect way to ring in October. You can find the standalone recordings of the pieces we discussed today directly in the podcast feed. Check out Piano Rhapsody on SoundCloud for all of the tracks heard on this podcast and more. You can find me on Twitter at Piano Rhapsody or email me at pianorhapsodypodcast at gmail.com. If you haven't already, the best way to support the podcast is to hit the subscribe button on your podcatcher and consider rating or leaving a review. It's the easiest way to never miss a new episode and it helps the podcast gain more visibility. Thanks as always for your time and your ears. And remember... The piano keys are black and white, but they sound like a million colors in your mind.